We're reading from the book of Galatians. Paul has been writing to those early Christians about the difference between life in the spirit and life of the flesh. We talked a little last week about life in the flesh. He's already listed for them the things that make that up. Then we start in verse 22 of the fifth chapter today where he writes, By contrast, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For this first month, while I am with you as your pastor, I decided to do a sermon series where I talked about some key theological concepts that were important to me that I thought were at the heart of the Christian life and might challenge you to grow as God would lead you. I entitled the whole series, Could We Start With a Few Questions? The first week, the question was, were you ever chosen last? I talked about the weight of that kind of experience of being chosen last or left out, but reminded you that the gospel teaches us that God is choosing you and God is sending you into the world to share his love with others. Then last week the question was, is it a once in a lifetime opportunity? And we talked about all the different kinds of opportunities God might make available to us through a lifetime. But it's important to distinguish between those that are okay or good and those that are really great, really fit for us and the value of discernment of allowing God, of inviting God, of asking God to help us know which way to go, which ones of those opportunities out there where we could serve and help and love are the ones that are just right for us and then go toward those and know that God is helping us do that. Then this morning the question is, how do you measure a life? If you're going to evaluate your life, how do you do that? How do you know how you're doing? As I was reading through Galatians and thinking about that question, it brought to mind that play, that movie called Rent. Do you remember that work? They had a great opening song that I want to sing for you this morning. It's riveting, 525,000. Wait, I might not be on key. It sounded great in the shower and in the car on the way down. But I knew I couldn't get through the whole thing. So I've asked a couple of pros that are among us to come. Kathy Venable, many of you know if you've been here very long at all. She grew up in this church. She sang in our chapel choir and our chancel choir. She's played several instruments for us to help us worship God on Sunday morning. She now plays professionally in New York City. Except for in the summer, she comes home and plays with Light Opera Oklahoma down at the PAC. They're doing several works this summer. She's agreed to come and help us. She's brought her friend Patrick Jacobs. Patrick is the choir director at his home church in Alabama. He's also the chair of the Department of Voice and Opera at the University of Alabama Mobile. He too comes for the summer to do the light opera. He's playing the male lead in Hello, Dolly. I had several people come out and say, I saw him last night. That's great. They've agreed to come and sing that opening song for us called Seasons of Love. Listen for the questions that it raises so poignantly for us this morning. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred. 
person that wrote the play had planned that to be the opening number in Act 2. He died the night before the play opened on Broadway. The cast decided to sing that song as the opening song as a tribute to him when they opened on Broadway. In daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches, in miles, in laughter and strife, in 525,600 minutes, or in other words, in a year, how do you measure a year in a life? In truths that she learned, or in times that he cried, in bridges he burned, or the way that she died. Remember the love, the lyrics say. Oh, you got to, you got to remember the love you know that life is a gift from up above. Share love, give love, spread love, measure in love. Measure. Measure your life in love. That's where Paul starts. 
when he's writing to this Galatian crew and decides to tell them what a Christian life looks like. He gives them this whole list. He's telling them, remember, live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and then he gives them the list so that they will be able to evaluate how they are doing. I put it in your outline. He starts with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Live by these, he says. Live by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. If you're following God, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and you're letting God empower your life, Paul says these will be the fruits. You will see them. It will be evident in your life. Other people will see them, that you're a person full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. God will be working through you, helping you bear this fruit, Paul says. It's a no-miss if you're living by the Spirit. He reminds them before the list and after the list, live by the Spirit. So I'm asking you this morning, evaluate your own life. I'm not going to evaluate it. I'm not going to ask your neighbor to evaluate it. I want you to evaluate. What does your life look like in terms of fruit? What fruit are you producing? As a follower of Jesus Christ, what do other people see if they follow you around? You see, we're supposed to be living it, not just talking about it on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, throughout the week, around the year, live by the Spirit. That's what Paul wants to encourage that's what he's telling these early Christians. It's a good word for us to hear as well. Harvey McKay writes a column in the Tulsa World. He tells about one year when there was this reporter at a state fair. He was looking at all these people who had won awards. He got to one particular fellow, and there was just blue ribbon after blue ribbon after blue. I mean, he said they just went on, and he began to look. And this guy had won this same award for as far back as he could look. He had grown the best corn in the county, apparently. And so the reporter's asking him, how did you do this? How do you win so consistently? The farmer begins to tell him about all the different things that he's done, but one thing in particular stood out to the reporter. The fellow said, I share my seed corn with my neighbors. And he said, wait a minute. Those are your competitors. How do you share your corn and still win? You can't, you can't help your competitors. And he said, oh, maybe you don't understand farming. As the corn is growing and beginning to blossom and bloom before it completely comes on, the winds always come, and it blows the pollen into the air, and it begins to swirl the pollen all around to all the neighboring fields. And if I'm not sharing my seed corn with them and they're not doing well, then the quality of everyone's corn begins to go down lower and lower. It degrades the quality of everyone's corn if I do not share. I must help my neighbors grow good corn. What a beautiful example of a life in the Spirit. Did you hear his love, his joy, his kindness, his generosity, just to name a few? I mean, he is living it in the way he does farming and how he treats those around him, even his competitors. Live is a verb. 
It is an action word. Live by the Spirit. Paul's encouraging, don't just read this letter that I've written. Don't just talk about it among yourselves. But when you leave this place, live by the Spirit. Let those fruits of the Spirit be shown, be evident, made available to others. Eugene Peterson, do you know that name, Eugene Peterson? He's the guy who spent over a decade translating the Bible into what we call the message translation or the message version. He does a wonderful job of putting it into everyday common phrases of English. Well, he's also written a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Not a very catchy title to sell books, I don't think. But he says some really insightful things about discipleship and spiritual growth. He's such a good writer. I want to read a few of those sentences to you. He says this, We assume that if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. It is not difficult in such a world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. It is terrifically difficult to sustain the interest. Millions of people in our culture make a decision for Christ, but there is a dreadful attrition rate. Oh, there's a great market for religious experience, he says. In our world, there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprentice in what other generations before us called holiness that's what john wesley the founder of methodism talked about of living a holy life letting god so transform you that every move you make every motivation you have is fueled by the love of god and the desire to receive it and share it with others well peterson goes on to talk about the importance of what he calls a long obedience in the same direction and he says it's the path to mature discipleship. He says we need to think of ourselves as apprentice to the master, Jesus Christ, for our whole and entire lives. As disciples, we are learners, but not just learning information about God. We are to be those who are acquiring skills in faith. We are to be those people acquiring skills of faith. We're, we're, to be, we're the ones that are supposed to be getting better at this. We're the ones who are supposed to be bearing more fruit. There's supposed to be some kind of connection between worship and study and fellowship in a Christian group and the way we live our lives. And others are supposed to be able to see that. What fruit are you bearing? I'm asking you this morning to do a self-evaluation. To use the criteria of those nine words that Paul lists and just say to yourself, how am I doing on love? joy and peace and patience and just work your way through the list when i do that what i find is that it's not uniform i mean some of us do better on joy some do better on peace some do better on patience some are better with generosity you get the picture it's not an even evaluation it made me think of a few years ago the summer olympics were on United States men's basketball team was supposed to win it all. I like to watch basketball. I'd been trying to catch a game. I couldn't find them. I was never home at the right time. I'm driving to work early one morning. It's about 8 o'clock. And on the radio, they say the U.S. men's Olympic basketball team is on TV right now. 
I decided to go back home. I thought, just 30 minutes. Turn my car around, drive back home, turn on the TV, find the game, settle in, begin to watch the game. It's pretty good, a little closer than you thought. I watch long enough, I get hungry. I go to the kitchen, make a snack, come back in and settle in. It's halftime. Then it's the second half. I'm still watching. It's a great game. I'm enjoying it. Finally, we win. Go USA. Then I want to see a little of the post game because, you know, they're going to interview the players and talk about how they did and how, oh, I'm going to see that. And then they have those wonderful stories that give the backstory of the players, right, or of the other Olympians. And so they're starting to show those. And I'm into that, man. This is great. I look up. Oh, my gosh. 30 minutes has turned into two hours. I got to get to work. I jump in my car, I'm racing to the church, I'm cruising around car after car, and I'm getting close to the church. I pull into the left-hand turn lane, and there's one car in front of me, but the arrow is green. I think we're going to go, but they wait. They're a very cautious driver. <laughs> but there's a gap, I think we're going to go, but they wait again. Okay, surely this, I can see it coming, there's a, they're going to... They wait a third time. I hit my horn. I say to myself in my car, go! And as soon as I said it, I wish that I had not. Right? I mean, I want to be a disciple. But was I being loving or kind or patient? I don't think so. I was on the opposite end of where I wanted to be as a disciple. It happens to all of us. We stumble, we fall, we falter. There's times we feel like we've failed completely. We just don't know what to do. We wanted to do one thing and we did the opposite. So sometimes we're afraid to do the self-evaluation. But I'm encouraging you to take some time this week and think through that. Because here's the good news of the gospel. Once you do your self-evaluation, you can offer it to God. And you can be sure, you can be certain that God's going to receive it with love and joy and peace. And God's going to respond to whatever your situation is. And God's going to be ready to meet your need. Paul makes it clear in Galatians, there's a power coming from God through the Holy Spirit. And when you offer your self-evaluation, God's going to raise you up. There's no reason to stay down. God's going to lift you back up. God will pick you up, put you back on your feet, set you in the right direction, direction if you'll only offer your life and yourself to God. It's the good news of the gospel. It's the power of God's love coming to you through the Holy Spirit. I am so grateful for it. I hope you'll trust it this week. Amen, and thanks be to God.